are go for liftoff in T minus 30. Hit the record button. This is Italo speaking. This is Italo's Black Tech Radio, and we're back. We're back because we haven't finished talking about all the different topics. Um, the Dark Triad. We had last week. We were talking about <clears throat> psychopathy. Uh, and by the way, sorry to to say to the I didn't I don't haven't introduced my guest, which is here already, Joshua. Uh, or the artist formerly known as JW. Uh, welcome. Hello. <clears throat> so let's uh, let's dive right into it because this this show uh, talks about a topic that I'm I think I'm pretty familiar with, uh, which is narcissism, uh, which is part of the is it part of the dark triad or number two? Okay. So I got that right. Yeah. And so for those that are listening and haven't uh, haven't heard of the last episodes, actually the last two episodes that I had, uh, I think it's number 76. Uh, that was the first one that we had, which is we talked we talked about mother, uh, narcissistic mother abuse uh, or surviving mother. I don't know what the title is, but it talks about narcissistic mothers. Mm -hmm. And then we went last week and we talked about psychopathy, which is part of the dark triad. And today we, we came full circle back to narcissism. But before we, we dive into it, I, I do want to disclose, like I did last week, and this, that's the first time I ever did it, that mm -hmm. if you are suffering from uh, narcissistic abuse or um, if you feel like you're being manipulated, uh, gaslighted and all that stuff, all that good stuff or bad stuff. Uh, speak to a professional because we are not professionals. Although Joshua is very knowledgeable about the topic, um, and I'm learning still. But you know, if you if you need assistance or if you need to talk to somebody, a professional is is the most uh, appropriate uh, person to talk to about this. Uh, and also, there's hotlines. I'm gonna put uh, at the end all the headlines if you feel overwhelmed or if you feel triggered by this episode and i hope you don't but you probably will <laughs> um if you feel like you know sometimes you when you hear um when you hear a topic um it triggers a memory and it triggers something that you you knew you you felt it and so that that happened to me so i'm just saying uh if you do feel like that's trigger something in your in your memory uh, bank uh, please reach out because it's always important to do that anyways that's my disclosure well like i said we we're coming full circle to what we discussed in my first episode uh, narcissistic moms where you can see i also wore my jedi t-shirt in response to my star wars tank top i wore the last episode I just want to get that out there <laughs> uh, to, to bring a sort of sequel 
because narcissism is a sequel to psychopathy. And I also want to say that another term for narcissism is uh, crazy maker. And I've had a lot of crazy makers, including myself, in my life. Let me start off by saying crazy is crazy. Now, it's looked at as not being a sensitive word anymore. A very chaotic situation, which is where I'm from. A lot of chaotic things. And I think a, a lot of the time when we decide to go sane, so to speak, it feels like we're going crazy. And to the narcissist, we're going crazy because we're not feeding into whatever it is that they gave us for us to feed from. And I think that um, narcissism is a lot more popular these days, um, growing, I'd say. I tried to make some cliff notes just now, spark notes of uh, this, uh, I'd say this, this monster truck type off-road B-movie type life I've had since, uh, since the 90s, I'd say, since about 1999, I started to take over the wheel, so to speak, of my own path. 20 years later, 2019, um, I decided that enough was enough. I came out West. I'm from the Midwest. I'm not sure if I made that clear the first time. I'm from the Midwest. I've always have been trying to get out to the West Coast. And I don't know if that's because I felt a, a narcissistic pull from Hollywood or <laughs> from one narcissistic situation to the next. And if anybody didn't know, LA is the narcissist capital of the United States. Of the that's where I'm at, guys. Uh, <laughs> and that's where I wanted to be. Uh, <laughs> but it's spe speaking of, um, of, of Los Angeles, I, a little bit of history on me. In, in 2020, in the year 2020, the year that we all changed uh, based on the pandemic and whatnot and the virus. As the world stopped, I started to look within myself and, and not on purpose. I just got to a place where I was hyper-focused on myself, literally, okay? Narcissism, right? So I started, not exactly, but I started focusing on myself by myself. And I just really started to think about a lot of things I've done and it just up until this point that the pandemic got me thinking about my life before and where I am now. Well, I was watching an episode of Red Table Talk with uh, the Jada Smith family with her mother and her daughter. Right. And they brought on a doctor named Dr. Romani Diversala, also known as Dr. Romani, as I like to call her Dr. R. She began talking about narcissism. And then as I dug deeper into her life, I realized that she actually is a professor in Los Angeles and she teaches uh, narcissism, narcissistic abuse and NPD, narcissistic personality disorder. And the more I listened to her talk about these types of individuals, the more I started thinking about me and where I come from, I realized, I just started to realize that it got me thinking about my birth family and the way I was raised. It reminded me of all the 
as a kid, I studied abnormal psychology. I'm a nerd. Full disclosure, I'm a nerd. I used to study all of my aunt's uh, psychology books when I was eight or nine years old, when she, from when she was in college back in the 70s. And uh, her, Dr. Romney helped take me back to that place I was as a kid, back to my childhood, back to the trauma, so to speak, back to, the, back to all of that. I started to think about that. I started to reread those things. And I literally started to see different people from my past around me during my upbringing. I was surrounded by a bunch of narcissists, a bunch of people who did not care about my well-being. And I say that because Dr. Romney always talks about when a person says, I gave you food, I gave you water, I gave you a roof, I gave you clothing. That's great and all, but that's no better than an orphanage. Mm -hmm. That's the bare minimal. Because to raise a human being from a child to an adult, you must have a mental capacity, you must have emotions. I was devoided. I was raised with a group of people who said they did not care how I felt. And I had a mom who told me that she loved me, but, but she didn't like me. And that's a phrase that sticks with me to this day. What does that mean? Right. Well, what exactly is that? And coming from a place where there was no, no place safely, there was no safety in me sharing my emotions or speaking my mind without all of the, how do I put it, without all of the backlash that is associated with narcissism. And, you know, narcissism is a disorder of self-esteem where that person has trouble, trouble regulating how they feel to the person outside of them. And I remember now that I know this, looking back, I was in a very highly problematic, unsafe environment. Not sure how I made it, but I did. And so as survivors, I think it's important that we learn about uh, where we come from. And Dr. Romney in 2020 definitely reminded me <laughs> of where I came from and how far I've come by listening to her talk to me about all of these clinical terms and how to learn about narcissism. Right. Yeah. And I, and I follow Romani too. She's, she's on my top list. Uh, uh, along with Dr. Judy, and I have different doctors uh, that I'm listening to, but uh, yeah, in particular, Ramani, she's, she hones in on, um, on the topic, uh, and I like that she's, she's, she actually, she's always coming up with new terms or the proverbs, and I, I, I love her channel, so if you guys haven't followed her, please make sure you do, uh, and I learn a lot from her, and uh, but we, yeah, um, like you were saying earlier about your mom. See, I have, I have the opposite, the opposite mother that you did, whereas, you know, my mom would be the one that's always saying, I love you and don't you love me? And she's always needy. It, it's a different, it's a different energy. It's, so she was, she was giving me a different energy as, a, as opposed to, flat out telling telling me I don't like you or I love you but I don't like you I, I, that doesn't make any sense but it was it was yeah it's difficult to explain because the way that she will present herself it will be like very loving 
but at the same time doing things that are not very lovingly. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's crazy making right there. <laughs> yeah, and to add on to what you said, uh, you're, you are correct about that. Uh, I came from women who were raised by their fathers. Their dads taught them the hardness of, I don't care. At the same time, these women were deeply empathetic, I think, and so they cared a lot. So whatever these dads did to them, suppressed it within them. So I think that they had this borderline attitude of, if you do what I, if you do what I say, you do what I do, then I love you so much and I'll share all these emotions with you and I love you, I love you, I love you. But if you don't, then I'll become the dad that you don't have and then I'll tell you how much I don't like you in order to build you up into this toxic masculine man that my dad was so I can relate to you. Yeah. And uh, isn't that something where, where the parents or the fathers are pushed aside? I've noticed that as well with the, particularly narcissistic mothers or, um, or guardians or, you know, women that raised you or raised us. They, they somehow make it a point to push them aside. Like I was talking to my dad yesterday <clears throat> and he shared a story that um, when they were getting a divorce, my mom was... Uh, she was very adamant about getting a divorce and she couldn't tell the judge why she needed she, he wasn't abusive to her. He wasn't a bad person. He was, he had addictions, but, and then the funny thing is that how at the end of the, um, the judgment that, you know, they, they were, they granted their divorce, but at the end she tried to buy him off. She, she had this stack of money that she wanted to give him in order for him to stay away from my life. Um, that that seemed very, it's, it's very significant to me how you're buying people off to stay off my life. That, that is, if, you, if that's not evil, I don't know what is. Um, I don't know. That's, an, that's something that, that, I don't know, I just thought about it. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can relate to that. My my dad, as I mentioned, I think I mentioned last time he was uh, I mentioned he was murdered. Actually, I'm in the middle. I I didn't explain all that the last time. I'm actually in the middle of a cold case situation where I'm thinking about reopening his case to solve what happened with him. Now that I've dealt with my mom. Come to speak of that. When he left this earth, apparently he left money. I don't know, some amount of money. There's a big family debacle over that. I'm talking like Romeo and Juliet, Capulet versus Montague type style. We don't like each other, but we have to deal with this kid that was created between the two of you. Well, I think similar to your story, I was given an amount of money per month till I was 18 years old. And there's one thing she used to say to me. I remember the check saying for my mom's name to my mom's name for Joshua Wills. And I always remember saying, being a kid and wanting lots of Christmas gifts and birthday presents, all that's mine. Now, I'm not sure about any other family, but in a black family, particularly, a lot of black people don't talk about how to use money correctly, how to save money correctly, how to deal with finances, period. I wasn't taught finances until I was like 18 or 19 years old. 
effectively that is. So here I am saying, that's my money. And she's like, no, this is my money for you. And I'm thinking now as an adult, that's a very distorted thing to say to a child that his dad left him money for his life, for his future. But mom comes in and takes it and says, it's my money for you. What does that mean in teaching me what it means to have X amount of money from my dad. So that's something that followed me. It didn't really stick with me until I got older learning, learning about finances and how I might have had a college tuition if my mom cared about my future. She cared about herself at that moment with what she was doing with my dad's money for me. Yeah. So that's financial, mm -hmm. financial abuse yeah. too. Because people talk about abuse as, as physical or as emotional, but there's also financial abuse. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Because I think as sons of narcissistic moms, we weren't really individuals. We were accessories to them. In other words, another expense, I believe. Right. And uh, so let's, 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 I guess we should talk about narcissism in general, right? Like what is, what is the difference between psychopathy and narcissism? Because we talked about it last week and now we are in the other spectrum because the way you explained it to me and it made very, a lot of sense mm -hmm. is that it's like, it's like in a spectrum or in a, in a you know, the, here's the, here's the line here, the line <laughs> here is um, psychopathy and then it goes all the way to the other side, which is narcissism, right? There's, a, I guess, a spectrum and it can go different ways. How do, you, how, do you, how do you tell the difference? I think a, a, good way, a good way to tell the difference is to think of them as fraternal twins, in a sense. Uh, they were born at the same time, but they look different, so to speak. And, and like I said earlier, like uh, narcissism is a disorder of uh, self-esteem and they have trouble regulating their self-esteem. So I would say that there's, there's definitely some guilt and shame going on with the narcissist. They actually feel it. A psychopath doesn't feel it. They don't care. Remember, I said, I think they don't care about 45 times last time. In this episode, I'm going to say that narcissists very much care about what they're doing. They just don't know how to regulate it. And they don't know what that means to you, okay? There's so much more shame because I think that there's a, and remember, this is my study. This is what I've learned. I'm no doctor here. Shame is a public emotion. You can see shame if you have it. They don't want you to see their shame. And they really don't wanna see your shame either because everything's great and wonderful and fantastic and da 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 da, da. Yeah. Because society says everything is great and fantastic and da 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 da. They're trying to mimic society. Mm. So with that being said, I think that they don't, they don't wanna be viewed at negatively in a public eye basically, because that act activates the shame rage cycle. Because if you, don't, if you have yourself a narcissist that doesn't wanna deal with shame, then you have a narcissist who is rageful. And rage is like, if you ask me, if shame was an egg, then rage would be a dozen of eggs. Mm. 
all lined up and not dealt with. You get anger. And that's that. Narcissism is a, an extreme self-involvement to the degree that it makes a person ignore the needs of everything and everyone and everybody around them. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's there's a thing about shame too, because I always learn I also learn <clears throat> how they 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 place the shame, their shame on on us or or the sons or daughters. Um, where they're supposed, to, I I felt uh, uh, um, I need to defend her against the world, right? There was this thing where I had to be secretive, secretive. I couldn't share anything, you know what I mean? Like it felt like I was, it was us, me and my mother, versus everybody else, including my father. And it, it became, it, it was it's, it was hell. It was hell because everybody was trying to. You know, and, and unfortunately, I, I thought they were trying to help me. But I, I when you're part of this, um, or you're part of this system, you're one with. That's that's the part that I, it's it's so sick, where you become one with that person, and so their feelings become your feelings, their shame becomes your becomes yours, and how do you break that? Uh, it's it's and then you know. Growing up as an eight-year-old or ten-year-old, how how would you know the difference between difference between your your own stuff and their stuff? It's yeah. Codependent. There's a codependent thing going on there with our with our moms. Like, mom is life, right? She pushed us out. We have her mitochondrian DNA, which is only found from the mom. She's, she's, very, she's very special, just like a narcissist is. She's very special to the upbringing of a human. Now, when your mom doesn't allow you to be an individual like us, like what we came up with, it's difficult to, it was difficult for me to deal with myself when myself was naturally becoming individual at puberty. Things start showing up, feelings start showing up, thoughts start showing up and other kids are growing up and here I am still attached to mom. Right. That was, that was quite, quite the situation in my life where not only did I have to um, become an individual but I also had to stop being a child because mom wanted my childhood to continue, yet at the same time, because I gotta be your dad too, because you don't have any men in your life, you gotta grow up, stop being a child by next right. week. <laughs> but which, which, which is it, which is it, I'm confused. <laughs> See, that's the thing, that, that, that's exactly the thing right there. There's a sort of like dichotomy uh, that comes with, I think when you're raised specifically in a matriarchal, family system of narcissism. There's a dichotomy there. I could be your mom and your dad. And I don't want the ladies out here to look at me and say I'm bashing single moms. I want them to know that there are challenges that come with women raising boys. How will they become men? That's the question. They're probably thinking, well, how did I become a man? Well, I nearly destroyed myself. Mm -hmm. 
the self that I didn't know I had because of the cognitive dissonance that came with from dependent lifestyle to independence and then hating myself that every teenager does at the very beginning. I decided to hate myself later on in life when I should have been an upstanding citizen in society. And that's what we have right now with narcissism. Yeah. The question is, are narcissists born or are they created? And I sort of covered that in the last episode. Psychopaths are born and sociopaths, which is a whole different story we're not gonna get into, but they're made. My theory is that scientists are still doing studies on the genetics are if narcissists are born, but they are made. And they're made from the situations you and I grew up with. Codependence, yeah. a very selfish person <clears throat> telling us to do things in their favor, ignoring our individuality. Yeah, and I think it has to do with un being unable to deal with their emotions because they're very, emotionally, they're very, they're still, so they're arrested development, they're still trapped in, that, in their childhood and their ways, and they are not, they are not willing because they're capable of changing, but they're not willing to, or they don't see anything wrong with what they're doing and they continue doing it. And yeah, it's, it's just a visual cycle. Well, they're, they're not regulating their emotions. Dr. Romney would say that they're incapable of doing it. And if, for instance, I've been called narcissistic before. Okay. And we all do have an ego. We all have narcissistic tendencies. Okay. Right. Um, there is a, a thing called self-care and self-care is not selfish. So when there's enough, and, they, and psychiatrists call it healthy narcissism, which I think is a little confusing for our topic, but I will say that, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought there, but self-care is not selfish. And when you regulate your emotions, you know that empathy, reciprocity, and compassion are a part of the human experience where we share who we are with each other, not put who we are on someone else and then demand that same thing back the way we want it in such a way where we disregard them 100%. And that's what narcissists do. And when that happens to a child, you may become that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, actually, it's, it's hard to deal with the the balance, right? Mm -hmm. And as, <clears throat> you, as you see, the educational aspect is very important to me uh, because um, I see it everywhere now. It, 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 the world has really become a bleak place for me because now I look out here and I see everybody basically talking to themselves. It's like a psychological cage match. Everyone's happening with each other. <laughs> yes. I'm laughing because I, I, was, uh, I, was, uh, I was at an amusement park Mm -hmm. And they were these uh, teenagers, or I wouldn't say teenagers, but they were, they're teens. And they were talking at each other, if you know what I'm saying. Like, they were not, it was like they had their own audience. They were talking to their own audience, even though you're, I'm talking to you guys, which is the audience. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, they were talking at each other, and they were very, you know, well, when I was in love, when you fall in love, and I'm like, are they talking to themselves? <laughs> it was very, it wasn't selfish. It wasn't anything like that. It wasn't bad. 
Mm-hmm. It was just interesting to me to see that. It's like, okay, I see everybody talking about, you know, they all believe they're they're being watched by somebody or it's just funny. It's, it's just, I don't know if it's a generational thing. Maybe I'm getting old. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. was I doing that? Or, you know, you get caught into that. You're... I think you think you know everything. <laughs> and you know what? And let, let me speak to that fact. It's okay to be a child. It's okay to be a teenager. The point of becoming an adult is growing out of that. And when you're raised by a mom who is still a child or a teenager who doesn't deal with or recognize or regulate their emotions, you're going to be a child until something traumatic happens that wakes you up to realize that you're no longer a child. And that's where cognitive dissonance is born. And I think that social media in and of itself brings that out of all of us. If we're not careful, we are all susceptible to the danger of falling into the mirror image of narcissism. Yeah. The profile pic says it all. Yeah. And I, and I, and I believe, like you're saying, you know, education is very important um, yeah. and, and you never stop learning. I never stop nope. learning. Nope. You know, I, I always thought I had it down. Like, I, I know what narcissism is. I've been studying it for four years and I, I had these <laughs> books and <laughs> having the book is great. But, you know, when you don't apply it and you don't really, you know, really put yourself in it, uh, it doesn't make a difference. So it's true. It's true. Yeah. Having the, I think having the street smarts of experience can put the book in perspective. Absolutely. Yet, I think the book can also help the person in the, in the situation who doesn't have the street smarts. It can teach them how to get out of it. Yeah. I, don't, I certainly don't have the street smarts. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't have the street I, smarts? I don't. I don't. Okay. I, even though I might appear that I do or act like I do, I, I don't. Yeah. Well, let, let, me tell you let, me, let me tell you something about my mom that actually, like, I, I, anybody who knows me knows her and I have had this roller coaster topographical type relationship. You know, uh, for what it's worth, I love her very much. I hope that she is somewhere right now taking care of herself. She's still alive. She's still walking this earth. I do want to say, though, when I was a child, I remember playing a lot of video games and her friends, because she was a she was a party girl. She loved to party. She loved to have a lot of people around. Her friends would come over, and because of my nerdy attitude that I had even more back then, okay, I'm a huge dork. You just, just bear with me here. I would literally play games with her friends. They're drunk and they're high, and they're sitting with me, and we're playing video games together. And I'm teaching them how to play Super Mario, okay, from the early '90s. Okay. Talk about the spankings, the whoopings, switches after that, because I took her friends from her. She was mad at me. How do you tell a child to stay in a child's place when all of your friends are coming into my bedroom? Totally inappropriate. Now, this is a story I haven't told the world yet. Exclusive for your show. Okay. I, I'm honored. I'm honored that you, you know, that you're doing this because yeah, Absolutely. there's so many things that are inappropriate and, and so taboo to talk about. And I think uh, when we say it out loud, it just changes everything I, I, in my opinion, but it does. yeah, I, thank you for trusting me and my audience to, to hear about this. 
Absolutely. I think it's important. And like I said, this is a sequel to my intro. And in the intro, I, I'm trying to remember what I what I introduced. I think that uh, I think it's important to 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 remember that upbringing that we went through. I think for me as an adult, I really did put a big shield up to protect myself away from the uh, intergenerational trauma cycles, triggers, all that stuff. I didn't know I had any of that until last year. <laughs> and here I am, like I'm this, yeah. I, I don't carry crystals or hug trees or anything, but I'm a huge fan of the new age culture. And so I've always have been this self-help type person ever since 99, 2000, when I got on my monster truck, B-movie uh, path in life, I took the off-road adventure. Once I started doing a lot of self-help, I was a know-it-all. I was a know-it-all late in my life, in my 20s, I think. And I, and I just, I was helping myself and that was that. Now, some will call that narcissism. And to some degree, I think I was selfish. However, I was also a people pleaser. Why? Because I was so codependent on making people happy, being an entertainer. I chose entertainment as a career, always entertaining. And so I think I justified and rationalized in my head that I may be standoffish, but I'm also here to do whatever you want. That can take a lot of ways, and I mean all the ways. Yeah. So about 20 years of that, from about 2019, hold on, from 1999 till about 2019, when all of a sudden my life slowed down. When I came out here to the West Coast, uh, my life really slowed down. I took a trip to Death Valley in uh, 2018, did some thinking, 2019, I released a short, well, first of all, I haven't told anybody I do music. I'm a musician on the side. I released a bunch of music, not for people, but for myself. No one's heard it yet. So technically I released it for me. But I also, for the first time, released a short movie about my experiences of how I woke up to myself for the third time um, after 20 years of I haven't slept in about 20, 25 years or so, but I finally got some good sleep in 2018, woke up, did my trips, 2019, made the project. And I thought I was good. Self-help guy did great. 2020 happened. The world changed. Everything went dark in myself for the first time. I thought I, thought I had already have gone through my dark night of the soul. Mm -hmm. um, but but uh, discovering Dr. Romney and I, I hold on I used to study a lot of Deepak Chopra as well so coupling Dr. Romney with Deepak Chopra has brought me to a place where hold on I'm not done and why did I think I was done in the first place was okay. I done I wasn't done I just didn't know <laughs> I reached the extent of what I thought I knew mm-hmm and that's what helped me open up my eye on what narcissism is. I think it's truly the original pandemic that we're going back to now that the physical pandemic is starting to lift up a little bit. Right. I think that, that actually is a great transition to the next 
uh, part, guys. Uh, we're gonna take a break. We'll have a little bit more coffee, but it's been it's been an amazing part one. So stay tuned, guys, for part two. We're back, guys. This is part two, and uh, I didn't want to cut it off, so I probably have to upgrade my to my Zoom because, anyways, sometimes you get cut on the conversation, and it's like, oh, it's only a minute left. <laughs> Yes. We're back, guys. We're back with uh, Joshua and narcissism, and um, yeah, we 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 were talking about. Actually, one thing you were talking about uh, was the specifically what was happening in your childhood, right? But it reminded me of when I, because um, sp sp speaking of my mother, right? Uh, I actually was trying to always make her happy right and always try to uh basically give her a social a social interaction with people so i was always trying to introduce my friends mm. so my friends can become their her friends and it all, always backfired it's like you know she don't like this one she don't like this one so it was i was always trying so hard and that reminded me of what you were saying earlier about uh, your mother's friends coming into your room and you becoming friends with them and how <laughs> how is it so there's no it's a blurred line like you don't know where her life begins or where her friendships are and it should be separate oh and mentioning that well let me tell you i was nine years old and they were in their mid-20s to upper 30s i'm thinking it was a school night. I mean, come on. I was a I was a straight A kid, and I'm not trying to brag on my my smarts, but I am a nerd. So, being a straight A kid, I was pretty confident, and maybe she was confident in that as well for doing that. At the same time, I found myself rationalizing and justifying her adult actions with my childhood, making her the person that was okay in this situation. And I think that, um, I think I'm talking about what you're talking about. I'm not sure. I feel like I'm going into a tangent, <laughs> but, but I feel like um, there, there's, there's a, a time and a place to, to do things like that in a way that is, I think for a child should be more of a camp type situation and not a party situation where your drunk and high friends are right. hanging out with this minor under the age of 13. Yeah, parties. I remember parties. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about the 70s parties. So that everything went, you know, all the the drugs, the alcohol, the kissing, um, <laughs> inappropriate kissing. Not 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 with me, but I, I was seeing that, you know, uh, how they were. Yeah. Um, I have so many pictures in my head right now. Uh, yeah. And then. <laughs> not not to say anything bad about that because it was it was you know it was the alcohol doing it but and i'm always trying to rationalize it too and trying to say well they were drunk or they were high or they were in high spirits but um it becomes very uncomfortable i had to be i i remember being uncomfortable in the parties and having to um retreat to my room you know 
So yeah, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm with so many you. I'm with you, I'm with you on that. And I think with, with my journey and what I've learned is that I think I mentioned at the very first episode, the first 18 years, it's um, it's our parents' responsibility to protect us. The 18 after that, it's up to us how we protect us. And if you're at a disadvantage in your early adulthood, like I was, that's because I was still trying to learn what it meant to be a man when I was already a man. And when I began to track that back to where that began, it began to me being perpetually treated as a child when I should have been growing. And also substances, substances being used around a child, that's unacceptable. If it puts the child in danger, if the adult becomes impaired around a child. And I don't think that that's something, and I used to justify that. I've justified that my whole life. I've rationalized that my whole life. And when I look back at that, there was a distorted truth of, I was taught that I should not participate, not only should I not participate in these activities, but I should also avoid people who participate in these activities in the world. Mm-hmm. Yet it was happening every weekend or every night. Right. When I was young, 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 every night, as I began to age, I began to see these, these things that happened all the time periodically. I was growing up and I was becoming a teenager. However, at that, by that time, it's very interesting how, oh, that, there, you're, there, you are a kid. You're not supposed to remember that. <laughs> but I do. And when I'm a teenager, it's not around as much yet. Now I'm supposed to be this adult and I'm supposed to know right from wrong. It's like, don't you realize the first 10 years of my life, all of that crap was ingrained in me. So now I'm going to be ready to do all that crap you told me to stay away from, which I did, by the way. Right. I was a hardcore, on one hand, I was a hardcore drinker. And on the other hand, I was an ex-head. Here's some some more full disclosure on your exclusively for your show. <laughs> um, I was very much into ecstasy at one point and very much into alcohol at another point. And sometimes on the same line at the same point. That's as far as I went, as far as my substance abuse issues. And all of that came to a head, I'd say, throughout the years. But definitely in 2015, it came to a head. And I, and I just realized that uh, there needs to be a change here. In 2016, that, that change, I went with that change and I started to get better slowly. So it's been about five years or so. Yeah, it's been about five years since I've really stopped the, I stopped ecstasy and I drink occasionally. A bottle of wine can stretch over a week and not just seven hours now. Yeah. Or two. Yeah, and, or and two. Uh, like you said, you know, we they they we we see that growing up, and we see how it's normalized the drug use and the alcohol. And uh, my mom would always say, you know, sure, I'm an alcoholic, and then she's proud of it. She's not ashamed. She's not, um, and she always has that that thing where I don't know what I was saying, or she would always forget. It's like I I never said that. Did I say that? Denial. Denial. Right. Amnesia, selective amnesia. 
<laughs> yeah, I've been through that too. So yeah, and yeah. I learned to just uh, deflection. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's another thing too with the addictions, right? Um, Absolutely. I myself, I'm addicted to many things. Among many things, I'm addicted to sex, uh, porn, and I'm addicted to, uh, I wouldn't say addicted to alcohol, but obviously cigarettes, uh, things that, that would harm me. Um, and I didn't know how, how deep that went too, because I had, a, I had a, what I call it, the body count, which I started I started doing that and I'm like, oh my Lord, what was I doing? And how, how was I affecting other people too uh, without care? And you know, that, that, that sounds narcissistic too because you know, I didn't know how I was causing, I was causing trauma. I was, mm -hmm. I was just basically trauma bonding and just, it's an infection, right? <laughs> It's, it's definitely a condition, I think, that we have placed upon us. Sometimes we know, sometimes we don't. And if we do know, we have a choice. And when we choose not to do better, then we have those people as well. And, and so, yeah, I, I completely understand where, where you're coming from with that. And, you know, and, and also to add on to that, I think becoming an adult for me has taught me that do I need to, what I need to do is I, I need to understand what, what my addictions are, what I'm capable of being addicted to, and what is my relationship to that? And do I really have a problem with that? Or do I have other problems and I'm using my substances addictions to pl placate over dealing with trauma? All the above, yeah. all the above. There was a lot of trauma that I didn't know I had until literally last year. And now that I'm dealing with it, I don't need to drink to numb myself anymore. I don't need to, well, I stopped doing ecstasy several years ago, so I don't need to feel like high above the party. I don't need to feel like I need to love everybody more than they love themselves. You know, I don't need to, and that's what ecstasy is, it's a love drug. And that's what you're doing. I don't need to alter my moods to be able to be a man. And at first, I think that's what I was doing without knowing it. To fit in society, I have to shut my mind off because of the trauma. When I wasn't dealing with the trauma, I had to start more trauma to feel like I was normal going back to my original trauma. And mm -hmm. that was what all the substances and the abuse of the substances were doing. Because mm -hmm. honestly, I don't want to, if I ever have kids, I don't want to have kids and say, you can't drink, no alcohol in the house. <laughs> no yeah we had a liquor cabinet in the basement at my grandma's house oh and by the way i was raised by my grandma uh, and for obvious reasons we had a liquor cabinet in the basement it wasn't we, i wasn't ever told not to drink but i was also warned if you do this this is what's going to happen and i'm also seeing it every weekend so of course i'm curious but at this point in my life if i ever have kids i'm not going to hide away from them. i'm going to say like you can drink part of the meal of age, of course. Okay, of age. I gotta say of age. However, if, if they're 16, 17, 18, and they want a glass of wine or half a glass of wine, have it with your food. There's a responsible way to drink. Right. And honestly, I want to say too, speaking of substance abuse, there's this uh, website 
I was going to say it until the end of the show and tell everybody, but it's called um, Dance Safe. Yeah, dancesafe.org, O-R-G. It started in the year 2000. I was, um, I grew up in the rave culture. So I think a lot of the reason why I was okay when it came to doing ecstasy and drinking so much was because I did a lot of research. Hello, remember, I'm still a nerd. <laughs> so, I, so I did a lot of research, extensive research on the type of things I was putting into my body. And then that's another thing that new age culture really helped me with. It helped me homeopathically, alternatively get into these spiritual aspects of my body and really figure out what I was putting in and how it was affecting me. And it became this really mystical experience for me after a while. And so I think leaning over into that direction saved me from ODing, overdosing, mm -hmm. basically. And I think that, because um, I, I don't want um, your viewers to think of me as uh, condoning substance abuse or substances, but I also don't want them to think that I'm bashing anybody who has an actual problem. Because you can have a problem with sugar. Sugar is a drug, caffeine. I'm sitting here drinking about 24 ounces of coffee and this thing here before I even seen you today. So I mean, come here's, on. Here's my cup too, so cheers. <laughs> exactly. So I just want to be clear on, we're walking a very fine path here with our substances. And I know I walked a very fine path. I'm talking like hairline fracture type path, okay? Right. And yeah, and then, yeah. Uh, growing up with a person who is hypochondriac herself, ah. uh, she has like a CVS pharmacy right next to her bed, um, and she would just pick anything up. It's like, how do you feel? Oh, you feel some neck, and she would give me like some muscle relaxers and antidepressants, and I'm like, why am I taking this? Uh, what is this? Oh, it's just a a pink pill, the blue pill, or you know, she wouldn't specifically go. Now I realize it was antidepressives, um, muscle relaxers, uh, stuff that you shouldn't be taking. <laughs> and I'm like, do you ever realize what you were taking? Or you just, you know, she, she basically numbs herself. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I, and I learned to do that too. I learned to numb myself to uh, with drugs or with alcohol or with um, anything, any addiction, uh, just to numb the pain. And then, yeah, like you said, it was until last year, to be honest with you, that I realized I wasn't going nowhere. I was just, uh, I knew, I, I had all the knowledge. I had all the, you know, uh, narcissism and all the other topics in my head. But uh, it, it, it came to a point where I had to just own it and just act, say something, because I, I wasn't able to speak uh, mm -hmm. my truth and, um, yeah, and the healing begins when I had to realize what was my part of it. Well, what was I doing to? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Accountability, accountability, responsibility. Yes. Right. Consequence. Yes, a lot of consequences. I had to leave where I was living at and be alone to realize, oh shit. <laughs> why am I alone? Yeah, yeah. I woke up in 2015 in a dead-end relationship. 
for six years, I had this partner. And then time after that, well, for six years, we were in a, the same vicinity. We had broken up within the first year, two years, actually, three years, three years. I'm trying to figure out my path here, three years. Half of that time, we were broken up. But a couple years before we broke up, I already knew there was a problem. Why did I choose to stay in it? Well, I wasn't ready to give out, give up the payout that came with being in that relationship. See, I continued to use that relationship as a means to block who I knew inevitably I had to become in order to get out of that situation. Mm. Talk about accountability and responsibility and consequence. I was aware I was a man. I just chose not to do it, right? Mm. Well, I wasn't done weeping and woe is in me yeah and realize that i had to i'm still sitting here now in a blank state trying to figure out what was that moment of time i will say this once i there's so much to this story i briefly managed a nightclub in this town called peoria illinois in 2015. i finally got to a place where I had achieved every single dream I had set out 20 years before that, 15 years before that. I got there, I did it, and I was let down. I was let down massively. And I think that my child dream being let down like that, I think that woke me up in a sense to a, now what do I do? What's going on now? So I had to see a little bit more darkness before I actually was able to get back onto the path that I was on when I started making the dreams uh, initially. See, that's the thing. For my path specifically, in the 90s, in the early half of the 90s, I had a good idea of what I was trying to do. When I started growing up, coming from the type of family I come from, a matriarchal, narcissistic, toxic, unhealthy, connection, connected family, once I got to that place where it was time to grow up, I grew up, gotta go, let's go, time to be a man, blah, 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 all this stuff, I left my inner child behind. Yeah. So when my inner child showed up at the club, asking me, are you ready to go yet? It didn't work. I had realized that I had not only let him down, but I also wasn't being the man that it took to do what I was trying to do for my child. So it's getting really metaphysical now, <laughs> but I, I, I just want to. Get no, to... I'm, I'm following. I'm following. Are you, there? Are you good? Are you I'm, there? I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Cause I don't want to lose anybody, but inner child work, I would say definitely got me thinking about what kind of man I was because they, they both play back and forth. And I think it's called what uh, self-parenting. So I have yeah. to do, I have to do, and this is all real time, by the way, I'm still very new at this. And I, I think if you actually are practicing being a better person to your adult self and your child self, if you're practicing that, that goes on for the rest of your life. There is no moment of, of arrival where, oh, I think I understand everything. No, 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 no. If you do, you're dead. And if you're walking and you're dead, then you're a zombie. So it, I, I'm not a zombie. I'm a living, breathing person trying to figure out what it means to be a man and respect my inner child that allowed me to grow up. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I have a lot, a lot to say about inner child. Um, and actually, it came to a point where, uh, on uh, if I'm going on a tangent too, let me know. But it came, it came to a point. It came to a point where, um, like, I was viewing my life, um, and I was always like victimhood. I was in the victimhood mentality, right? Um, I was always hurt, and everything, anything anybody would say would hurt me, and I would be like victim, right? But it came to a point where I'm like, I'm 40 freaking eight at the time um now i'm 49 and i'm like when are you gonna grow up and just realize that you're no longer that child you're no longer the victim you're no longer in that situation and just man up and just be the adult and and see the things that happened to me when i was a kid or a teenager and stuff um it was not my fault anything you were doing at the time was not your fault and embracing that child who's being hurt and he's being let down and he's being, you know, they shut him up. So I had to basically go back as an adult to those moments, which is a very, a very shadow work or whatever they call it. Very (laughs) difficult, very, very difficult and very um, painful, but not in the sense that it's not physically painful, but it's, it's, um, it was so good. It, it, I, I, I let so much out and crying will happen, uh, snorting and crying and <laughs> wailing, <laughs> oh, yeah. shaking in the bed, you know, oh. stuff like that. It's like, I've never been through that. And it was good. It was just good because I, yeah, it, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to do. I'm still learning. I'm still doing it. I'm still, you know, learning I'm still making mistakes, obviously. Mm-hmm. Oh. And so, but I'm forgiving myself and say, it's okay. You didn't know this and you didn't know that. And I'm still not, you know, completely hundred percent. Like you said, we're never stop growing. So when you stop growing, that's when you're dying. You're dead. You're dead. You're dead. Right. And that's okay. You know, we're taught that we have to have it perfect right now. It's gotta be perfect. No, you want it your way. And you think you're perfect. You think you're perfect and you want yeah. me to do it your way. I'm not perfect. I'm not, I'm imperfect. And that's something that I used to, I had a smart ass mouth growing up. So I was always like, at the same time, at some point, I stopped talking about it. And it became this internal voice after a while of hearing somebody else say these things. And I become, and I think that is the root for me anyway. That was the root for my cognitive dissonance is that I would hear them and I would hear myself and then I'd be doing something else entirely different. So it's like three things going on here. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, to speak to what you were saying, absolutely. I think it's a practice, if anything. For me, it's, uh, I'm a type A personality. I'm a Libra, I'm an INTJ. Like I said in the very first episode, my introduction episode, I'm a very routine oriented person, textbook, like computer, okay? Mm. If I'm not like that, I will become chaotic. And I do, I have a, I have a moon in Aries and a moon rising, okay? So by nature, I am chaotic. And I know that there's a time and place for that. I know my inner child likes to play when they like to play and that's that. So. I have to bargain with myself. Let's get some work done. 
and then we can watch a movie. Let's get some work done. Mm-hmm. And then we can go run around outside. Let's get some work done. We can ride our bike. Let's get some work done. We can punch our punching bag, you know? Mm-hmm. So, because that's what my kid likes to do. And I think to myself, wow, when I actually have a kid, I hope I'm ready. Because it's this, it's never a time with a child, it seems. And I think that's what self-parenting has taught me. It has taught me to treat myself as a child as I wish I were treated when I was a child. What I needed, I know what I was needed. Now that I'm an adult, I know what I needed when I was a child. So in forgiving myself, and I hope you have forgiven yourself too, in forgiving myself, I'm able to look back at my mom and her family and even my dad's family, I can even I can look at all these people and say, wow, look at, I wonder if they've dealt with what they've dealt with. Something tells me no, mm. uh, but that's none of my business. They had, <laughs> they, had a respons- they had a responsibility when I was a child. Right. They, they did what they did. I'm glad to be able to go back and take care of the child that they abandoned, period. Yeah, the thing about family or relatives um, is that um, I, I actually see the same pattern in my family, um, both sides, um, mother's side and father's side. I see the same pattern uh, with other cousins and other, even my father too, or, you know, I see this um, insidious narcissism um, seeping in through every relationship. Uh, and like you said, you know, they pretend that they're all, they're all great, everything on the surface is great. We all hug each other, we kiss in the cheek and everything's cool and kumbaya here and there. But at the end of the day, we never talk about our feelings. Um, We never shared anything like this. And and the minute you do, oh, no, don't talk about that stuff. That's, you know, we don't do that in our family and we don't do that, especially on the holidays. Mm-hmm. I ruined a few holidays. You know, I've been called the, I'm, I, I call myself the Grinch before because I ruined Christmas. I ruined Thanksgiving. I ruined everything because I'm like, uh-uh, something's going on here. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> yeah, same, same. We share that quality. Yeah. Yeah. They don't like it when I, you know, I, I'm very quiet or I can be very passive or I can be very, you know, not outspoken. But when I do speak, mm-mm. I don't know what type I am. I have to take that test. I'll take it take after. That fail, but. Take that test. It'll give you some perspective of uh, what people deal with, with you and what you deal with of yourself. What is your Zodiac? Libra. Ah, I forgot. Right, because your birthday is the 4th or 5th, right? The, four, the second. That's, oh, okay. I was just completely Okay. And Good to know. You're right in the middle of the spectrum. Okay. Yeah, we, right. we, tend, we tend to... We're, just, we're, we're a pair of scales, so we... We're not going to stay superficial or exploitative for too very long. And I think those type of relationships are superficial and filled with exploitation when it's based on surface attributes, you know, when, when, when the unique quality of life and me and, and other things encounters a narcissist, they don't want to deal with that because it has to be superficial. It has to be what they want. And they have to be able to exploit you in some way. Oh yeah, you know, and the, and the holidays are coming up, guys. It's like, no, yeah, it's, like, it's oh coming. It's a whirlwind of emotions happening because, like you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I haven't cut him off completely, but I'm not gonna, I'm not doing it <laughs> this year. <laughs> I, I have my family, 
which I adopted my family. So I'm, I'm you know, uh, I feel like I'm, I can be myself and I can, we can talk about any, anything we want to do and not being judged and not being um, spoken about. Like, we don't do this in our family because I'm no longer a kid. I'm no longer, you know, I, you can be treating me like a 14 year old or, you know, and, and but they, that's what they do narcissism narcissist parents i'm gonna say just parents in general um they do that they they put you back in that child child mode toxic toxic parents you know they, they put you back into the this is our family this is the unit this is the, the cycle this is the cycle <laughs> you're breaking the cycle yes the fuck i am excuse me for the f can i say the f word here you can say whatever okay yes the fuck i am I'm cool with uh, yeah. when when the when it's necessary to say fuck, you say fuck. <laughs> Will do, can do. <clears throat> this is not a uh, TikTok. <laughs> no censorship here. Thank you. Thank and if you, you're uh, being triggered, guys, sorry. I like the curse. <laughs> yes, <too. laughs> yes. This is yes. I don't think we're trying to uh, trigger trigger for the sake of being triggered. I think we're all triggered enough. Right. No, and I'm tri- I'm triggered every anytime I see something on on either TV or or social media or in the news or anything like that. I I I, I get triggered every day, <laughs> even when with my because I, I'm a Lyft driver, and every day the interactions every interaction to me is is some it can be triggering. Like like yesterday, I was actually driving with this guy in the back back seat of my car. We're doing having a great conversation, and all of a sudden he got on the on the phone with his uh, girlfriend, ex girlfriend, and I heard a whole breakup. In oh. twenty minutes, oh, and, uh, it was really triggering to me, and I'm like, mm, okay, I think this is your stop, sir. <laughs> you gotta go. <laughs> wow, but you know, it was good to <laughs> be centered and all, but yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I 20 minutes, huh? It was a 20 minute. Well, from the time that he started talking to his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend. Gotcha. Until okay. Yeah. There I am. You know, and, and that's why I said my my practice and, and what I do is so bleak now, because I think now I go back into my history and I think I've never actually had a relationship. I've had nothing but a series of trauma bonds. Mm-hmm. A bunch of connections to a bunch of toxic ridiculousness <laughs> because I was toxic. I was toxic. Hey. <laughs> I was raised to be toxic. So when I started to grow, literally like you last year or some time before that, I was toxic. So how many relationships that I would, well, I didn't have any relationships. I had a bunch of trauma bonds. Mm. Right. So how many? So did I. Me too. Bonds- did I build? I, I do break? have to admit too. I, I was, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was the one that was causing all the trouble, and that's where it starts. That that's where self accountability, responsibility, consequence comes from. Am I the toxic one? Yes. Sometimes it has, to, it has to start somewhere. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, I think to myself, I'm not 100 percent of the problem. I'm either 80 or 20 percent of the problem. Now, which is it? Hmm. Oh, I was always blaming the other person. 
<laughs> it was his fault. <laughs> you know, they say it takes two to tango. I think Dr. R talked about in one of her proverbs in her series that it takes two to tango, but I don't know about that. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I was tangoing and I, there was a lot of relationships I could have had. Instead, I was trauma bonding because yeah. of the trauma I didn't know I had. And mm. I think I hurt a lot of people. However, I'm glad that I know that. And I hope that they found people who can yeah. validate, validate who they are, you know? Right. <laughs> and actually, there's, mm -hmm. I don't know if you heard of, well, you probably heard of because you're, you're such a nerd. Uh, you have probably heard of Brene Brown and her series about shame. Yes. Okay. And uh, the difference, difference between, we only have four minutes, so I'm sorry. Uh, oh, we can talk oh, about it next, but <clears throat> maybe we should break it up now. Sorry, guys. Let's, let's continue this, but oh, yeah. yeah. Part three, we'll, we'll see where that goes, but give me one second. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back. This is, again, Italo and Joshua. And here we are with the conclusion of now, um, I was gonna say Machiavellianism, but uh, that's why, that's why <laughs> it's because I was practicing the word before I even said it. But yeah, next week, guys, if you're listening still, um, next week's topic will be Machiavellianism, correct? Yeah, yeah, that one. Which I'm gonna have to research about that because I've heard a term, but that's about it. It's even less understood than psychopathy is. Yeah. I always picture like a villain. Um, Pretty much. <laughs> kind of like that scene, kind of like that scene in The Matrix Reloaded where Neo's fighting all the Smiths. Okay. That's a clue on what Machiavellianism is. Let's, let's leave it at that. That's a good picture. I love The Matrix, so I'm all about that. <clears throat> movies is my I'm a movie buff as well um, so anyhow <laughs> um, and I'm excited about the new Matrix too so we can talk Same. about that too but, um, and actually we, we left off at a very interesting part which is the relationships uh, or quasi relationships that are not really quite but yeah uh, that's interesting because um, it's kind of like we always look for the same, um, the same um, characteristics as our our mm -hmm. parents, you know, mm -hmm. in in them. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I think we we get attracted to that. Mm -hmm. At least I did get attracted to that for some reason, and that's and that was an interesting part where there's there's all kinds of uh, stories I can go about, but specifically about shame it was interesting because um i learned about carried shame and versus your own shame and we were talking about shaming because <clears throat> sometimes i i used to carry people's shame as my own mm -hmm. and and act act uh as if i could fix that somehow um Ooh. and uh, of course you can because it's not yours yeah, oh, you, you, to, you saying that takes me back to the, the, the time where I thought I had to, I have to help everybody. I had to help. And, and the two ways I was going to help was to fix it and heal it. 
I'm going to fix it and I'm going to heal it. Right. It's the, it's the selfish part of the new age culture is where you think you can go around and, and uh, heal everything and fix everything for somebody else. I mean, come on. If you haven't done it for yourself, how can you do it for anybody else? First of all, let's get realistic here. Right. <laughs> so, exactly. you, you know, that's when the exploitation starts to happen. You know, for me, especially, it's like, now I need to know everything about you and nothing about you so I can do what you want me to do for you. It's like, train me to be your, your, your personal enabler or something like that. It's ridiculous. And I think that's where a lot of my issues came from was I was trauma bonded one and two, I was enabled to do all the trauma bonded experience I wanted because I thought that that's what all I deserved because of how I grew up looking for that in other people. Mm, okay. So, so it became essentially my fault that I brought these people into my life. Now, before the, the before your listener starts starts saying, "Oh, he's victim blaming," no, I'm not blaming victims. I'm not blaming myself. I'm blaming no one actually. However, remember, Italo, responsibility goes back to the parent for the first eighteen years. I'm responsible for the next 18 years. So I got to go back and tell myself, forgive myself and understand that I had no idea. And now that I know I had no idea, I have to do better by reconciling myself. Mm. Do I, should I, or do I go back to those trauma bonds? It depends. They could be on a whole different journey, a whole different path. Like this one, this one person I tried to reconcile with recently, he said to me, oh, I, I accept cash and checks because he thinks that I stole, stole money for him, from him and for him. And he thinks I owe him money because of an opportunity I got when he was in my life that he attributes to signing off to because he was there. He was entitled to take the credit of what I did that I've been working for my whole life. Okay. So do I think he'll see this video? No. However, I want him to see it because I want him to know that I thank him for his part. However, he was a trauma bond and we both were in an unhealed place trying to heal each other. And that right. was healing going on in that situation. So I learned real quick that that's not where I should be because we're in different places and that's that. So I want an actual relationship. And like I said, trauma bonds and relationships are two different things. Right. And there's a the thing about the relationship that you have with yourself or with yeah. ourselves. Um, I've yeah. learned that I need to be single yeah. for a minute because <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been single. You know, it's always like the, you know, one, one relationship heals the other and heals the other and heals the other. And meanwhile, <laughs> I... <laughs> I, I just, I can't call them relationships anymore. Connections is the closest I can call it. it. The way I see it now, trauma bonds. Right. All, yeah. my, all, all of them were dark for me. They were all dark. They all taught me something because I was in them yeah. helping spin the darkness. Mm-hmm. Now I sit back in awe at the fact that I've never been in a relationship. And I haven't been in a trauma bond in um, five years, I think. Right. So, so what is it going to take for you to 
date again? For me to date again, I think that I think I think that I'm a lot more open at um, empathy, uh, reciprocity, and recipro uh, excuse me, reciprocity and compassion. I think that I'm willing to forgive myself a lot more often whenever it comes to I didn't know that. So let's learn it together. Let's work on it together. Let's. <laughs> I, I had no idea. And also, whenever I can be, I know I can be short and I know I can be very direct. And I also know I could be probably dismissive and cold sometimes because I hang out up here a lot. And I have to remember to clock out up here for the day, <laughs> come back to my body and hang out with my people. And that includes my partner, that includes my kids, that includes you my friends, you, everybody, the world. I have to remember that just because I'm like, eh, whatever. It could really mean something to somebody. And I think that moving forward for my relationships, I want somebody to be able to share with me stuff. And I want to be able to learn and be there and be present and learn and try to understand their human experience for what it is. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Especially since we're, yeah. Once you heal your own wounds, I guess you can have the antennas up, you know, have the notion of what what does it feel like? Does it feel like it's, I mean, manipulating them, I'm being pulled this way or that way? Mm -hmm. Does that feel okay? Uh, I never had that before. I never had the checking with myself moment for yeah. over 20 years. <clears throat> and then my, my last relationship was really good in that sense is that he's the one that said, look, we got to sit and talk and we sat and talked for hours. And sometimes I wanted to go to sleep because I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> I just wanted like, just, let's just not talk about it. I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't handle it. And, but it really helped me to like, I'm so, happy to I'm so happy to hear that. I'm glad that you, you have the space to even recognize something like that because uh, that's a lot of work. But those, those, those uh, people don't come easily, you know, nowadays, especially with the social media and everybody, yeah, um, all the trauma-bonded people out there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, narcissism now has uh, a playground, a mask, called social media. Yeah, big time. I mean, look at what Facebook is doing. Like I've seen you talk about the last couple of weeks with Meta. Like now, I think Facebook is doing now what they always had intended to do 20 years ago. They're just being more upfront about it now. <laughs> that's, my, that's, that's the true nature of Machiavellianism, even though, even though I don't know it by heart. <laughs> you got I'm it. Like, I can see a feeling going like, yes, yeah, center my universe. <laughs> yeah. And I can dictate I, the rules and I can be I, the God. And I, I think Facebook has destroyed the, the dynamic of the, of the family. Yeah. Yeah. Destroyed meaning done, already destroyed, not destroying, destroyed. And it's an addiction too. I've, I've been addicted. I, I admit it. I'm addicted to social media and, and getting likes and getting the traction. In a way, I need it. You know, I need it because of my the, the, the podcast. I wanted to be to go places. A little validation is healthy, right? A little validation helps. Yes. A little bit. A little bit. As long as you still have empathy, compassion, and reciprocity for. <laughs> 
a, a face-to-face conversation like we're having now. Right. Yeah, not 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 so, having to not having to focus on the comments. It's like, oh, comment came up, and you know, the ADD comes up. It's like, uh, well, what were you saying? Uh, oh my God. And, and, and you know, people people like, do you have ADHD? Um, I don't know. I don't okay. know if I do. Okay, I haven't been diagnosed. I haven't went to the doctor for it, but I do have tendencies. I have also have tendencies of OCPD, not OCD which is obsessive compulsive disorder. I think I might have obsessive compulsive personality disorder because I cannot do a lot of things without <laughs> crossing T's, dotting I's. Okay. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta see I mean, one day and just compare um, our- Let's compare, <laughs> let's compare disorders. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think everybody, to a point, we all became ADHD because social media. You know, that's that. Just, yes. just it. If you if you don't grab somebody's attention in less than ten seconds or five seconds, yes, yes, that, you brought me back to the point I was trying to make with you. Exactly, especially our current newest ADD mapper, which I think is uh, what Tik TikTok. I think yes, TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, because what, what TikTok you have to like narrow it down to like even ten seconds is is better. The less the better. Yeah, and you can't really talk about you know all the stuff that we're, we're going to talk about in ten seconds. You I can you can get to so, to know anybody in ten seconds either. So uh, and if you do, that goes drips back into narcissistic categories of I don't need to know you unless there's a benefit. That, that's what a narcissist does. They get to know you for benefit. And if they can find that benefit in five seconds, you, they got you. That's a skill. Yeah. It's an <laughs> anti-people skill. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> I think, I guess. I just literally made that up on the spot. <laughs> Sounds legit. <laughs> yeah. We got to protect ourselves. We got to protect ourselves from that type of... Um, interaction i think yeah so what is the what do we do now uh, what is the aftermath of somebody who's been suffering uh or surviving narcissistic abuse the aftermath i think um i sort of gave like a a, a five point checklist for psychopathy i think um i think i can say when it, when it comes to narcissism, protect yourself. Protect yourself by knowing your boundaries. Keep, keep a good idea of where you start and where they stop or where you stop and where they start. Keep an idea of your boundaries. And I have my boundaries. So they could be highly unique or you just gotta figure out what you want and what you don't want. And I think that's the hardest thing that we as a people or as an individual can go through. If you never have had an individual life or if you've never experienced independence, you may not know what you want. So if you don't know what you want, remember what you loved as a child. You will remember that. So yeah, I, I think we can, we can borrow the similar similarities between what we talked about already on psychopathy. Mm-hmm. For those that haven't heard it, go back to psychopathy. We, we talked extensively as to how to protect yourself and how to set boundaries and everything. Um, but yeah, that's basically, so I guess it's the same rules for- Sort of, 
psychopaths so, and, and sociopaths, right? Sort sort of. I, I do want to add a couple more things because when, when you're dealing with a narcissist, you're dealing with somebody who does recognize shame and guilt. They just don't want you to know it. So it becomes this tug of war psychologically of how do you maintain yourself while you're watching somebody melt down who doesn't want to admit it? Like you're dealing with a dysregulated person. And for me, uh, the Grey Rock method that I'm pretty sure you've heard of from Dr. R. She, she talks a lot about that. The Grey Rock method, um, in, in a long story short, you're basically um, not responding to the bullshit from a narcissist. And sometimes they'll get mad because you are, you're their supply and you're like their drug, so to speak. If you don't give them their drug, if, they, if you don't give them you, they will rage because they're literally lacking from what you, you typically give them. Right. Gray rock method. And number three, uh, the deep method, which I'm sure you've also have heard from Dr. Romani. She talks about the deep method is defend, no defending, no engaging, no explaining, and do not personalize. If you can do all of that, right. you're good. And I think that that right there adds on to the aftermath of how to deal with um, a narcissist. And also seek, seek treatment, seek therapy. Uh, Google a, a hotline number, dial 411, call 911 if you really if you really need help, right? Um, simply look for the local medical authorities and get yourself some therapy, get yourself some help, figure out who else out there is going through what you're going through, like you're watching with us here. Right. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, if you, yeah, if you cannot trust who's around you and you're, yeah, we, we have different experiences uh, as far as mm -hmm. we're not, we're not in the, in a near danger zone. Uh, but yeah, those are who are listening, who are, in there inside that house especially with quarantine being quarantined with that person and being gaslighted and being yeah made crazy you will probably think that you're i actually ended up thinking i have bipolar disorder mm -hmm. <clears throat> and or multiple personality disorder or any other disorders yes. you know i always i always put it on me and it, it can be crazy making it can be. And that's why I tell people all the time, if, if you if you forget everything I said, remember this study, research, learn, repeat, rinse, rinse and repeat, study, research, learn everything about this stuff. Learn. So so you will see it. The red flags before <laughs> I always say before you walk into somebody's house, check out the drapery. Is there if it's red, get the fuck out. Right. <laughs> if you see red flags. Get the fuck out. If you want to explore and figure out if there could be a possibility, stay there. Check it out. Check it out. Just be aware of love bombs and all that stuff and give it some time. Get to know somebody and do not rush into a, into a connection without properly vetting the situation. Because remember, you have two choices, an, another trauma bond or an actual relationship. Which one do you want? That depends on the speed, okay? The, the physics, the trajectory of how you're gonna move into this connection. Yeah. I tell myself this every day, by the way. <laughs> I, 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 used to, I used to rush into, I even proposed marriage to a couple of people in the first month of meeting oh. them. Whoa, 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, they oh. said no. Not, so <laughs> I was spared, but yeah. Uh, the, the, the feelings, huh? The, the, there was a lot of feeling. <clears throat> and actually, it, it, it turns out it was after we were arguing or, you know, the, the, the reconciliation part. Love bomb. That's when I, I felt the need to say, I want to marry you. I wanted to. I wanted us to have a future together or move in together. I was actually asking one of them to move in to our garage. At the okay. time, I was living with my mom, <clears throat> and he said, "He said absolutely not, absolutely not. I will not be moving with your mom next <laughs> to us." And no, that's and that's one of the things that happens in the show. Uh, I love a mama's boy. I don't know if you had a chance to see it. Mention it to me. I'm dying yeah. to see that. It's, it's, and there's one, one, one case where he's building, he's, he just got married or he's getting married mm-hmm. and uh, he decides to um, turn the garage into their home. And of course, the mother can come and go as, he, as she pleases. And oh. I'm like, I, I was cringing because I'm like, <laughs> if that means that I would, I would have been that case. Like if they were following me around with this, you know, the cameras, that would have been me. That, oh my god, <laughs> and, oh. I, and I cringe because it's like, oh my god, how how was I not seeing that? And it was coming from me. It wasn't coming from my mom, or it wasn't, you know, nobody told me to say that. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that something? I, I, once again, I I could see myself in that. I contribute. I contributed to just straight up codependence. We, we have to fight for our independence just like we did in 1776 we, and 1865. We have, to, we have to remember our independence as a person and how it's our birthright to be an individual. Right. And I think that if we don't exercise that, we fall back into trauma-bonded tra- traumas, <laughs> triggers, cycles, even cycles. Really. Right. And a lot of those cycles are not conscious. They're subconscious. What do they say? If you repeat this, uh, the same mistake over and over is insanity. That's right. And you know what? It feels really insane getting sane again. Right. For the first time, even. Some of us have never been sane. (laughs) Yeah. I'm one of them. I've never been sane. I have to get sane. And getting sane, I felt insane. And people gaslit me into thinking I was going crazy for wanting to do better for myself. Mm. Yeah. Don't, like, don't, you get those, don't you get those people that are always uh, underlining, under, undermining what you're doing, uh, your art, or your, especially if you're an artist? Uh, oh, God. That, that right there, there's a, a thing called covert. Covert slash vulnerable narcissist where if i think dr r gives an example of well if the world (laughs) the kids could do what they can do today because they have the internet if i had the internet when i was younger i could be doing a lot better for myself are you kidding me Mm -mm. if anything (laughs) you have a, a wonderful advantage to do something different than this generation has ever seen before like in 20 years we're going to have kids born from the internet, literally, in the matrix. In the matrix. In the matrix. We were born before the matrix got mm-hmm. popular, before it got popular. 
Mm-hmm. So before cell phones, before cell phones, even before they were popular too. Yeah. So it's it's just interesting the way society is now catching up with all this stuff and how we have to. I think we have to. I say we because I think you understand me. I think we have to just really keep in mind that we are our own people. We're our own person within the collective of uh, different persons. Oh yeah. I got different personalities. I got <clears throat> Charlie. Charlie over here, he's very talkative. <laughs> then I have Bob, who's very quiet. Bob, very, Bob is like, um, um, oh. oh, does he, he talk? Say, he don't talk much. Okay. 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 <laughs> yeah, I have so many alter egos that I like Bob. You do? I hated Bob. Yeah. <laughs> like Bob. See, and that's the thing about narcissism when when i to go back to what you said like who am i going to date i want to date the nerd in the corner i want to date the nerd who is here because he wants to in, enjoy the, the environment just just he's a friend said come along and there's a support system going on just somebody who doesn't have to be the life of the party and i used to be, i used to dj and i used to be the life of the party but none of that what does that matter at the end of the night right you know so uh somebody who who isn't an overflowed cup of charisma confidence or charm but that's a red flag that's a red flag right there those are three grandiose red flags right there okay landmines that's that's charlie 100 that's him ah Ah, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I like oh. Charlie. He's very charming. Oh, he can talk. He can talk his way out of anything. Okay. And when he does, he doesn't want it no more. Oh. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> like never mind. I was kidding. <laughs> I don't want a relationship. I don't want to. No, no. I just want to have sex. <laughs> oh, oh, that's that's that. That's that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he 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 he, he, yeah, he got me in a lot of trouble. You and now he Ita loves another one. Ita loves another, you know, alter ego, but I like Ita Lucas. He can listen to. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. So he he it, it, Lo has a a, a a attention span. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> he does not have ADHD. Sometimes he does, but <laughs> uh-huh. Within good taste, with an empathetic attention span. Yes. Okay. Because that's who I know. I met Italo. Right. Think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad you understand that. We're we're talking about multiple personality disorder right now, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, I know. We went into another realm of... Well, you know, it's it's part of it, though. It's these, these narcissistic people, they do... They are superficial. They are they 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 are superficial, and they use exploitation as a weapon to um, to get what they want from someone. And they sometimes have different masks, sort of like Scooby Doo, you know, like the monster at the end of the of the week type situation. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. So, yeah. Is I know Scooby-Doo. It's interesting. Yeah, Scooby-Doo. This is all about Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> if you can nothing about what we just said, you'll remember Scooby-Doo. 
Yeah, from the sixties. Yeah, go back to the sixties <laughs> and, and chill out and watch some Scooby Doo. Yeah, yeah. I may have to TikTok this moment, like <laughs> put a little bit please, of. Please do. Yeah. Scooby Doo, and <laughs> so they yeah, they will have no clue what we're talking yeah. about. And, and, and I would say have an edible, but some of us don't want the THC. So have a CBD, <laughs> have a CBD treat. I recommend the tea, have a hemp tea and then watch some Scooby-Doo and you'll be fine. I promise. Okay. I promise. And, and this is not FDA regulated. Okay. So be sure to read up <laughs> and study. And have some munchies have some food yes have lots of food yes <laughs> we don't encourage drugs I, guys i'm sorry we're not, we're not doing that <laughs> use use the seven deadly sin of gluttony okay with caution okay yeah i don't condone I sin i don't condone sin but i will i hold on i don't condone sin and i won't judge it just keep in mind that you're in control of that, so. That's right. <laughs> Sin is also not FDA approved. I just want to put that out there too, so, but yeah. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna do a lot of research after this show. I'll be like, what is he talking about? <laughs> 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 I haven't done any, well, I, I'm not gonna say that. I haven't, I've done some drugs, but <clears throat> mostly <sighs> weed. Drugs are um, scary. Cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> ah cocaine well yeah it's like it's like having it's not having coke i guess uh up? i was up all night oh but i, mean, I was very so fully conscious of what i was doing that's a very interesting it sounds like coffee to me it's it's, it's, it's pretty much okay yeah. like the cocoa plant bean plant right i think there's a similarity there yeah and actually in peru where i'm where my family is from, yeah, you actually get coca leaves. You have to chew coca leaves to climb Machu Picchu, and that that gives that gets your system ready to face uh, the altitude and everything. So Ooh. it's not it's a natural drug. Oh, yeah, and it's just like it's like it's like tea, drinking tea, and yeah, little coca coca leaves in there. It's not it's natural. It's so, not what westernized society has done to it. No, not at all. <laughs> you know, that sounds very interesting. The legend has it that my, my mom's dad had a cocaine plant in the house. And that's about all I know. Like, I don't know what happened to it. I don't know if it's true. Yeah. I, I have no idea. But, but uh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. My first uh, foray into Peruvian culture, I think, was the uh, Celestine Prophecy. Oh, all right. Yeah, it's a place in Peru. Yes. Yeah, so I'm I'm very curious and interested in uh, Peruvian. Well, you have, you have the ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is very popular in Peru, mm -hmm. and that that gives you a trip of your life. And but you have to have a guidance, and you throw up, and then you oh, all great, good, great, all of, good great. It's great, guys. You throw up. Yes. All the toxicity out of your system, I guess. Is the... I would love a nice purge. A good yeah, purge. we we do need a purge. Yes, the next therapist I want, I want to throw up the whole time <laughs> and get it all out. You know, hey, you'll feel better. Clean you out. Sometimes you do need a cleansing. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. Think, yeah. We spoke about The Exorcist the last episode, so something very similar to that. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, we got to get exercised. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but listen, uh, we are coming close to the end, guys. Uh, I do want to thank Joshua once again. You were great, as always, uh, giving us your knowledge and your nerdism and your, you know, all this stuff. Uh, I know that you don't take it the bad way because you keep saying it. So uh, I'm a Jedi for nerds. Yeah, and I'm a Chihuahua today. (laughs) (laughs) So we're we're in the same the same universe here. Yes, we are. But uh, stay tuned, guys. We're gonna go um, into another section of Machiavellianism. I hope I'm saying it right. Yeah, that's the third and final of the Dark Triad, Machiavellianism. Machiavellian, Machiavellianism. Yeah, it's a $500 word or something. <laughs> like right? That. Yeah. I'm sure if you get that in the Scrabble, you'll have like a lot of points. Yes. <laughs> well, one, one last thing I want to say, speaking of Scrabble and games, I, to add to narcissism, there's this, I, this mentality, the slot machine mentality that I think is also part of the social media culture. It's also called swipe mentality. You're swiping all day and all night. Mm. People, remember, when you're swiping, it's like playing a slot machine. You're always looking for the next treasure. So just be careful and swipe and stop, okay? And, and drink some water or something and then come back and do it. But just try not to get lost in the game of social media. I have gotten lost. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> it was fun, but it's like, okay, that's just, I don't, I'm not supposed to be seeing this stuff. I don't know why I'm doing this in this guy's bathroom. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting though. Yeah, in the bathroom, yeah. Which is yeah. funny. The bathroom is where you purge and clean at the same time. So that's an interesting place to. He was swiping. purging. Swiping? He was purging in, in some sense. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. On TikTok, guys. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so we're going to talk about it some, some other time because that's a, lot, that's a long um, conversation yeah. there. I think we we'll uh, Yeah. <laughs> Just picture that in your mind. <laughs> Somebody purging in their bathroom. <laughs> oh, maybe we'll add that to the, the sadistic episode, the sadism episode. There you go. Yeah, I'm sure that gets into that category. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, guys. Thank you once again. And thanks for commenting. Uh, I'm going to put uh, my email there uh, at, at the bottom of this um, video. And if you're listening to this too on TikTok, on TikTok. Well, whatever. TikTok. You'll, you'll, oh. you'll see it. You'll see me. You'll see all the way to comment, contact. And uh, yeah, just uh, share, like, subscribe. That's what they say. That's what they say. <laughs> all right, Joshua. Thanks for coming. We are go for liftoff in T minus 30. Hit the recording. That's well.